ora and welcome to Family, Whānau and Disability, a podcast brought to you by Parent to Parent New Zealand. We are here for the many Kiwi families out there caring for a disabled child or family member. We know the journey caring for a disabled or a neurodiverse child is not an easy or a straightforward one. So this podcast is a place to explore the issues that affect us, to share stories, swap tips and even have a laugh or two. We would love for you to join us each month, so make sure you subscribe. Please also be aware that the views shared are those of the individual and may not represent the views of parent to parent. This podcast is brought to you by Parent to Parent. Please note any views or opinions expressed by the speakers are of the individual speakers themselves and do not necessarily represent parent to parent as an organisation. Welcome to Connect, Inform, Support on Free FM 89.0. Brought to you by Parent to Parent, the not for profit organisation supporting families and whanau of babies, children, teens, and adults with any type of disability or health impairment. I'm Louise. I'm the producer of Connect, Inform, Support with Val. I work for Parent to Parent but I'm presenting this as, as myself and while I represent parent to parent to a point and I'm here to provide support and information for families and whānau of people in the disability sector. A lot of the views expressed here will be my own and not necessarily that of parent to parent. Over the next few programmes we will be looking at sexuality and gender identity and I recognise that those are two completely separate subjects but also have intrinsic links between them. To clarify, sexuality will be discussed in terms of sexual preference, sexual identity, how you express yourself, consent, which is going to hopefully be a huge topic that we can discuss, and then gender identity is all about how you identify in your physical body, in your little meat suit that you go floating about in space and how you present that identity to the world, how you choose to present that identity or choose not to present, as it were, and the difficulties that people face presenting themselves a certain way. To give you some background as to who I am, I am a cisgendered female. That means I identify as a female and I was also assigned a female at birth. So my parents saw me when I was born and went she's a girl and I grew up and went yep I'm a girl but I also identify as pansexual which um, people also can call bisexual I prefer the term pan because it's a little more all-encompassing which means that I am attracted to people regardless of gender I tend to describe it as I love people I love the people on the inside and the packaging is irrelevant I am married to a cisgender man and I have three children, two female, one male, as far as I know. They're all still fairly young and um, seem to be quite happy with the agendas that I've assigned them. But um, I try to raise them to understand that if they ever feel that I was wrong, that's cool. They can be who they want to be. So I come to this discussion with a little knowledge, but not a lot. And I'm very aware that I will make mistakes. I will use incorrect terminology and I will get things wrong and I am more than happy for people to correct me please do please do not take my words as the absolute truth because it's just me and my opinion and my discussion with Val 
and uh, the way we both see things differently. And uh, hopefully we will be interviewing a few people over the course of um, the next few sessions to discuss these topics in more detail and more in respect to our general area within the disability community. The way I see it is that people within a disability community face a lot of prejudice and discrimination just for existing, let alone taking into account sexuality and gender identity, which adds a whole other layer of prejudice for people to impose upon them. So we're going to sort of talk about that, discuss it, find out what supports are out there to help people, talk to people who've lived through it and how they've dealt with it, maybe come up with some ideas for how parents can best support their children yeah, and just see what's see what's out there to to help our families and our friends live their best lives and to feel part of a community regardless of what difficulties they may face in terms of accessibility to the world and in terms of who they feel they are and who they feel they want to present to the world. Mike Pullman is a 26-year-old advocate, public speaker and content creator. He has a 2016 Youth with Disability Award and been a guest speaker for several events, including the Enabling Good Lives Waikato launch. Mike has spinal muscular atrophy and is a power chair user. Mike, it's so good to have you here today. You're a journalist, a blogger, you've done so much. Can you tell us about yourself and just what your work's about? Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I do, as you said, a number of different things, but um, I, I guess, you know, I, I work for an international news website covering rugby. And in terms of my blogging style, I uh, do a lot of disability, talk about disability issues and... Uh, you know, try to have some tough conversations with people. And I post a lot of content like on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch. Busy life. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's I'm just doing what I can with, with what I have, I guess. I um, do most of it from home, which is, is nice. You know, I get to go out every now and then and speak at some events. I was in Wellington a couple of weeks ago, which was, which was good. So, yeah, it's, it's good fun. So do you think that intimacy within the disability community is being discussed more now? Do you think it can be discussed a lot more? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it, it can and should be discussed a lot more. Um, I, I think it's a major elephant in the room. It, it, it was one that was like that when I was growing up. Um, and, I, you know, I, it's the same now, I think. And I think the pressure on young, young people, regardless of if they're disabled or not, is a lot higher than it used to be in terms of sex and intimacy and relationships. And yeah, we, we are starting to talk about it, but I think we've got a long way to go. Where do parents begin? To, to, I mean, it obviously has to start with parents, does it? Or are there other places that you can talk? I think that um, it, it's a difficult situation for parents because for their disabled child, which I hate labelling like that, but, but for the disabled child, they've, they've been the, the primary carer for so long, they've, they've, they've paved the way, they've, they've done a great job, but this is an area that is actually not about them, it's, it's about the, the child, and um, it's a natural part of life, it's you know, part of growing up, puberty, stuff like that, relationships and, and sex itself, so, uh, you know, the young person needs to, to feel 
and have that support that is not just because you don't want to talk about sex and mom and dad <laughs> I don't think you should have to um, so for a disabled person are there, are there places where other disabled people can talk about this this together Oh, well, is there anything of, like that you know social media is a good tool for you know connecting with, with other people um, but in terms of actually you know specifically talking about intimacy and relationships there's not really a whole lot yeah. out there for for young people with disabilities and yeah. and I think this might sound really bad but sex is to me it's a big part of pop culture these days for good or bad I don't think disability is represented in that at all no, I think so I mean talking as a parent <coughs> I mean I know I know what you're saying about not wanting to talk about sex with your parents I completely get that I would never have discussed sex with my parents mortifyingly <laughs> embarrassing but what I have tried to do with my own children is teach them the basic biology of it right from the start so yep. it was a normal subject yep. and as they got older start talking about you know consent and relationships and just yeah just make talking about sex and relationships a normal part of the growing yeah. up conversation and I think parents regardless of whether your kid has a disability or not need to be supported in doing that you know it's all part of life puberty sex growing up preparing your kids for adulthood yeah and, and the words that you use they're normal part of life I think I think uh, not to generalize but I, I've noticed a lot of parents with disabled children uh, tend to you know bubble their kids a wee bit um, yeah. and, and I mean that normal part of life it was the same for me you know I, I grew up well, the disability wasn't really a factor in our lives it was just a part of our lives we had to deal with it and um, you know if you're gonna sit there and say and you're gonna try and show a kid that they're normal despite disability you gotta also be willing to you can't pick and choose what's yeah. what's normal yeah absolutely um, so, yeah. yeah, definitely. And I think hopefully this, this sort of conversation, this sort of podcast will help to normalise that conversation for everybody to yeah. be more inclusive, I think, because yeah. that's, that's, that's how I see it going, is including everybody regardless of physical or neurological ability or disability or however you want to label it. We're all human beings. We mm. all have similar feelings and thoughts about wanting to be close to people so we need to all talk about it to keep everybody right safe the right and to right. have a full life yeah exactly mm. the right to have a full and, and fulfilling life so mike what was it like for you oh it was hard it was it was really hard um you know i had a lot of friends in high school a lot of bullies as well but i mean that aspect relationships and intimacy i was you know so far on the outer like you know didn't have a girlfriend got going through high school and stuff and I think, you know, sex education is pretty basic as it is for, for the mainstream. But, you know, for it doesn't touch on disability at all. I think it's tough. Yeah, I think from my perspective as a as an able-bodied person is that I think we tend to worry about patronising people yep. mm. in wheelchairs and anybody with any kind of disability. Because I know I've, I've felt that way myself. I want to be able to talk to people. I want to be able to just connect with people on a human level. Yeah. But I, I recognise innately that I have preconceived ideas and biases, and I'm trying to break through that. Yep. So how how do we yeah how do we get past that to yeah. teach our kids that mm. the disability is just part of life and it's not something to be afraid of or to be 
put your foot around, mm, yeah. that sort of thing. How do we I think do? it's a two-way street. Um, I think it, you know, like the, what you just said is, is so, I think a lot of people feel like that. And um, I'm a big believer that the worst kind of response of disabled, as a disabled person I can have is, is get angry at people. Mm. You know, when they say wheelchair user or stuff like that. Um, I, and when I mean two-way street, I think that um, the disabled person, and I can only speak from my experience really, you kind of have to just accept that you are disabled and that, you know, physically, okay, things might be a bit tough for you, but what, how do we find a solution to that? How do we, um, it, you know, work around that? Um, so it's, it's a really tough one, but I think... If we just sit back and talk about the stigma that exists, um, but not actually look at how we can address it. I think also um, we people like me need to be prepared to be told off and be told that we've got it wrong and not take it personally and not be all... Yep. Oh, I have to walk on eggshells around this person now because they were upset with me. It's like, no, no, you yep. you messed up. Yep. Now you apologise and you do better next time. And I think that's something that <coughs> we need to do a lot more of. That you know, people get things wrong. People use the wrong terminology. The terminology changes. Yep. People do accidentally patronise somebody in a wheelchair. You know, people make mistakes. You know, and I know I I have that approach with my support stuff. I you know like. They make mistakes sometimes. Right? You know, we move on. It's not it, it, life. Really, is about communication, and, and I think I, I'm not the best communicator. But the problem with disability community is that we focus too much on the language side of things, and and and, and we're too afraid to get it wrong. And yeah, I think that's the big thing. Is people are afraid of using the wrong word and upsetting somebody, yeah. and then mm. they seem to think that that means you could never talk to somebody again because you've said the wrong yep. thing. So yep. <laughs> we need to get over that. Yes. <laughs> now you have a partner. Mm-hmm. So obviously things have gone pretty well. Yeah. Can you tell us about your partner and, yes. how, the, and how you met your partner? Yeah, so um, I've been with my partner just for almost three years. And yeah, I met her through Wintech. She was a, uh, a friend of a friend of mine and... Um, yeah, we just started talking one night and, and uh, you know, quite frankly, it was, you know, it wasn't really thinking about a relationship at that point, but, um, yeah, it's been a pretty cool few years, you know, we, we now live together, which is is really cool, I, you know, I, um, but, yeah, she, she she's awesome and she kind of, she accepts me for my disability and we, we talk quite openly about issues that the disability poses to the relationship, especially in the physical sense. Um, she's also autistic herself, so, you know, there's a, a good mix of physical and, and neurodiverse going on there, so it's, a, it's as much a learning curve for me as it is for her, I think. So how, how were your parents with your relationship? They were happy for you, I'd imagine. Yeah, they were, they were great. Um, yeah. I mean, I I wasn't living at home when I met Jess, so, you know, I was living up here, and, and I was actually the residential service when I first started dating Jess, so now, now living out in the community in my own flat. So, 
It's just now lives in. Yeah, mum and dad, uh, they'd be great. It's, it's, they haven't really been too much of a factor mm-hmm. in the relationship. They, they get on with Jess. And, you know, as long as I'm happy, I guess, they, as, as they say. What would, you, what would you say to parents who are going through a time when, when their, their child is going through puberty, things are changing? What, what would your advice be to parents? Uh, don't don't let me get up and bubble wrap. That would be number one. Um, you gotta let them be young people. Puberty is is hard enough. Throwing on a disability, for example, with my condition, uh, my situation rather, a physical condition that's decreasing. You know the it's 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 tough, and um, I think freedom in terms of having that open line of communication if the child wants. You know, when you're a teenager, again, you don't want to talk to your parents about that. Um, but I think we as a, as a community, disability community, have a real need to start talking about this. And, you know, I mean, I've talked a lot about things like assisted sex, and I think that that is an area we need to talk about as a community. We, we need to be there for our young people and not, and not just to fill a care need, mm. you know, uh, the whole of life approaches, as I call it, people ask me what I mean by that all the time, to me the whole of life approach to supporting a disabled person, the basic care requirement, the showering, the dressing, the, the, the going out to, to a vocational service or something, that's that's low level, you, you build up around that, you, you put the goals in, the aspirations and goals and aspirations are, are personal mm. and some personal things involve relationships and sex mm. so I don't know if that answered your question but I saw uh, you mentioned in your blog I think about the, the disability transformation and the change to more individualised <coughs> funding and the idea of people being more in control of their own care and support like you're saying so what um, what do you hope to for this to, to provide to people in terms of building, like you said, building from the ground up the basic the basic needs that everyone has a right to, and then the more you know specific goals. You are someone who who's under a name good lives. Um, I've got I've been lucky enough to get a taste of what this new system is is going to look like. Awesome. Um, and I think that there is a lot more choice of flexibility and. It's so different to what I've ever experienced before. It's like I'm in control of like my whole life. Like I manage all my staff. Like I pay them out of the funding. You know, it's such a it's, it's a very casual sort of environment. And, and I think that how this is going to benefit people with disabilities moving forward is just that it's um it's that the greater choice and flexibility. But it, it looks at just more than the basic care need and I would encourage both people with disabilities and their families to look past just what needs fully a requirement because we tend to understandably so focus too much on that. Yeah. Not enough about goals and aspirations. Yeah, so need to look further afield than just like you said, the basic care yeah. needs and yeah. we need to encourage more providers of extracurricular stuff as it were to come yeah. Be part of the system. Yep. Oh, yep. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good idea. You know, it's good to see you guys talking about this, and uh, 
would be fun to see, you know, other other people talking about this. And so yeah. thanks for having me. Cool. Thank you very much for coming in. It's been really interesting. Well, we are going to uh, sort of carry it on. Um, yeah. With, um, I think it's family planning. Yes, we're, we're getting someone from family planning to talk about the services they offer to support families. Yeah. You know, bridge that yeah. gap. Families helping kids to understand about sex and relationships when mm. they may have some sort of extra issue going on. Which is brilliant. I Which didn't realise they did that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Because yeah. it's hard enough as a parent to talk to your kids about this stuff. And there's plenty of resources out there for parents, mm. like you were saying, just about puberty and about relationships, yeah. but the disability aspect is not covered. No. I mean, all the parenting books I've read never mention it. No. It's never a thing. No. And yeah. in order to normalise it, it needs to be part of every exactly. parenting book. Yeah. yeah. It needs to be it a does. Yeah, It does. I can imagine as a parent, you just want to sort of... <laughs> wrap your kid in bubble wrap. Yeah, and, and not talk about it. Yeah. Because it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, I... I over the years, you know, we've, we've dealt with all the families. It's it's weird because um, mum, mum and dad are quite, not so much now, but they used to be quite involved with other families and helping and, and mm. that. So, you know, every other week mum will call me and she'll say, oh, I've had this young period of a, of a kid ring me up and would you mind talking to them? And, and then I, I meet them and, and it's like, there's no, like, plan for the future. It, it's just right. like we... We get from day to day, and you know they they're doing their best, but it's uh, yeah, the child themselves I think is very conscious of the fact that they're disabled and the the burden that that has on their family, and that's nobody's fault, you know. But, but it's yeah. yeah, but then people like Parent to Parent and Enabling Good Lives yeah. ought to pick up that support and support the parents so yeah. that they can think into the future mm. for their kids. So they're not constantly just firefighting and yeah. living day by day. If yeah. they feel supported in in the basics, yeah. mm. then they can start looking into the future and start yeah. you know having a bit more of a, a forward plan. Yeah, and that's it. And there really needs to be a lot of a lot of work done. Families helping helping parents to deal with the that's the it. Whole that's sex and intimacy thing. It needs. It's a big issue. And yeah, it needs and, to and be just about. generally the the um, the funding and the um, support for families living with disabilities at the moment is fairly paltry. It's pretty rubbish. So we need to, we need to improve that so that families aren't constantly worried that they're going to lose their funding if their kids' situation yeah. changes, or that they're not going to be entitled to it if one of them goes back to work or something. Just that constant worry yeah. that. You never know where you stand. Yeah. Transformation yeah. will will yeah. enable that. Will give people a lot more stability. Yeah. In terms yeah. of, we, we definitely we we we've touched on it briefly in one of our earlier podcasts about the transformation. Mm. Talk to the minister for disabilities, yeah. Carl Sebeleni. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, it's all very much early days at the moment. So we just have to wait and see. We just have to mm. keep keep the pressure on the government to do what they say they're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. No it's my pleasure.
Connect, inform, support. Join us next week on Free FM 89.0 for support and information from parent to parent. The program can be downloaded as a podcast. And of course, you can get more information on our website, parenttoparent.org.nz. This has been Family, Fano and Disability from Parent to Parent. I have been your host, Johanna. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that you'll join us again soon.